to keep in theme, we're going to have some children read our scripture text today. Woo! All right. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not, be, do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not retrieve to the kingdom of God is like a small child and will not, shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, and before we start our regular sermon, we're going to have some kids come up and we're going to talk to them. talk to you from up here. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Did you guys all hear what they just read about? Yeah. You know what Jesus said? He said, the kingdom of heaven belongs to people who are like children. Isn't that cool? Yeah, I think that's pretty cool. So I was thinking, what are the things that children are so good at, that Jesus was like, we should be like that. Okay, what are children good at? What do you think? Jackson, how how do you guys think? What do you think kids are better at than adults? What are some things? Being silly? I think that is totally true. I think being silly and joyful and having fun, kids are so much better at that. How about you, Jemima? Climbing, yeah, exploring. Jumping into things, doing all sorts of fun things like that. What else? Jumping into puddles. I think that's that joy thing too, right? Kids are so much better at just finding situations, being like, this is going to be fun, and I'm going to jump into it, and using their imaginations to make things the most fun. So we're going to do an imagination exercise. Are you ready? I want everybody to close your eyes. We're going to use our imaginations. Grown-ups can use their imaginations, too, but the kids are going to be better at it than you are. Um, So I want you to imagine what this kingdom of heaven might look like. It's like the best place ever. So what would be there if it's the best place ever? I'm going to draw some things as you tell me. So I'm going to give you 10 seconds to use your imagination. We're going to be quiet. All right, raise your hand if you have something that you think is going to be in the kingdom of heaven. All right, Mathis, what you got? Jesus, that's a good one. I think he's definitely going to be there. All right, we're going to give... Jesus is definitely going to be there. All right, I'm going to do a really quick Jesus picture. All right, Jemima, what's a cool thing that if you think it's the best place ever, what's going to be there? Yellow. Well, I don't. I only have a black marker. I'm gonna write the word yellow. All right. I'm gonna draw. I'm gonna draw a cupcake because I think they're gonna be cupcakes in heaven. What do you guys think? I know. That's why I think they're gonna be cupcakes in heaven. What else, Abigail? A crown. Crowns to wear. 
I think that's totally true. Okay, what else have we got, Jackson? A floating building in the sky. I love that. Okay, I'm going to put a cloud underneath it. Oh, they're up in the sky and a floating building. I love that. Hmm. What else? Anyone have some other ideas? I'm going to draw a unicorn over here because... What? You don't think there could be unicorns in heaven? I'm using my imagination. I think there might be unicorns in heaven. Okay, I drew one. Okay. Any other ideas? Have any ideas? What are some of your favorite things in the whole world that you think is going to be there? A rainbow. Okay. What do you think, Abigail? What you got? A trophy? What's it going to say? What are we getting a trophy for in heaven? Best. A golden trophy. Ooh, I love that. All right, let's do a couple more. What you go? Candy. For sure there's going to be candy in heaven. I'm going to draw some candy down here. Okay. What else, Jackson, what you got? Oh, my goodness. Definitely going to be some race cars. All right. All right, let's get two more. Creatures like what? Like a dinosaur. Oh, my goodness. I haven't even drawn any dinosaurs on here yet. Whoa. Oh, that's good information. They're in there under the sand. Okay. <laughs> All right. One more thing, Mathis. What do you think is going to be there? A blue light. Just the light, light shining, and it's going to be blue. All right. All right. We're going to look. What do you guys think? So here's the thing. I think you guys are absolutely right. When Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like children, I think this is what he was talking about. Okay. What do you think? So I want you guys to promise me when, as you grow up, I, don't, I want you to remember what Jesus said and remember not to lose your imagination or your exploring, or your joy, or your silliness, right? Because Jesus says that those are all the things that bring you closer to God. Isn't that cool? I think that's pretty cool. All right, Mr. Dan is going to do some teaching to the grown-ups now, because they have more to learn about this than you guys do. You guys are going to go to your class, okay? Thanks for coming and hanging out with me. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. For a moment there, I was like, are they describing heaven or Chuck E. Cheese? <clears throat> I was like, we can just go to Chuck E. Cheese, you know? Jeez, get a little foretaste of heaven there. At least if you're a child. We'll wait for them to get out the door there. 
And, uh, you know, I'm going to do something. They did such a great job on the uh, sermon text, although for the sake of the recording, I'm going to read it again uh, just for us all here this morning uh, as everybody's going upstairs. It says this from Mark 10, 13 through 16. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. And he said to them, let the children come to me. Do not hinder them. For such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Yes. You know, friends, in our house, uh, we like cartoons. And we like kind of those modern, kind of weird cartoons that are out there, you know, now, like Uncle Grandpa and uh, Adventure Time. You know, a lot of times, these cartoons, you may have seen them, they have this, like, extreme close-up of a particular character's face where they, like, make, uh, make them look more realistic. And it's kind of like a freak-out. For example, here, here's Finn uh, from Adventure Time. Uh, my son Samuel and I always get a laugh when they do that and they show that face. But here's the reality. That's actually my face right there. That's my face when you invite me over to your home and you say, bring the kids. And I'm like, uh, are you sure about that? Are you sure you want me to bring all of our children over to your house? I mean, before kids, Alicia and I were sort of like foodies hip on the restaurant scene, and people still come to ask us. They're like, hey, Dan, I'm coming into Atlanta. You know, what's a good Thai place or a French place? And now I'm like, if it doesn't have a coloring book menu or concrete floors, I don't know about it. I don't know about it. I'm not hip on the restaurant scene anymore. Ask me about, uh, you know, uh, a good Chinese restaurant or a pizza restaurant. What's that place up the road? I forget. Doc Che's. That's what I'm thinking of. Yes, Doc Che's. Go there all the time. So I do, of course, love my kids. I'm not dogging on them here. I really do. My kids are so needy. You know this. You just told me in the break there, David. Mom, 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 mom. I was like, I just want to have an adult conversation with my wife. Mom, mom, I don't like my pepperoni pizza. You did last week. What happened? I was like, what is, what's going on? But our children, they're, they're meek Little joyful sponges, aren't they? Just think about the first time you took them to the zoo. Like pink flamingos, mole rats, lions, tigers, and bears. They're like mind blown. I can't believe this. Or to the beach, you know, coming over that causeway bridge with your children for the first time. And they see the ocean. Mind blown. What awe and wonder. Doesn't your heart just... Leap for joy when you see the look of wonder and awe in a child's eye. Even if you don't have children, you just see that. It's awesome. It's like there's a simple joy there that just burns away the thorns and thistles, the judgments, the criticisms, the overthinking that a lot of times bogs down us adults. While a child just does what? They receive. They receive with joy. Jesus this morning... Gotta love him, right? He's doing his thing. There's probably a technical theological term for this. I don't know it. But, you know, he's always being disruptive, right? He's always taking an opportunity to shepherd people and to teach people. He's wanting to break down some barriers and have folks snap out of something here. We see it in our text. And we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. But first, 
Do you remember that 80s TV commercial, Toys R Us and the jingle? Is I don't want to grow up and be a Toys R Us kid. Yes, some of you remember that. Yes, Toys R Us. Our point today is actually, just like Jesus teaches, always being paradoxical and disruptive, is that we actually need to grow up to become children. We actually need to mature to become children. To actually grow up and to become a kingdom come kid. To, being, to become a kingdom come kid. It sounds could be an emo band from the 90s, the kingdom come kids. To be so dependent upon Him, His grace, His gospel, and just like Alyssa taught the children there, to imagine the kingdom, the heavenly things on, uh, in heaven to become there on earth manifest. As it says in 1 Peter, these are the things that angels long to look at. So, we will become kingdom come kids. We do three things. We seek the kingdom, we savor the gospel, and we stir up the Spirit. Those are our three points today. We seek, we savor, and we stir up. So, uh, let's jump right into it, friends. Um, Context is always important. And I think it's important for us to back up from our Scripture here and actually go to what Scott preached on before we jumped briefly into the values uh, segment. What did he preach on? It was on divorce, right? What was, what was going on in that? Well, <clears throat> let's go back and kind of imagine the scene that Jesus was in. He got all of these experts on the Bible in front of him, and they got Jesus right in front of them as well, too. What are they doing? Are they worshiping? Are they enjoying their time with Jesus and all in wonder? No. They're doing what? They're, they're arguing. They're advocating, actually, for ways that they can get out of marriage. Something that is good and that, that God created that's to be a blessing to one another and our community. So this is what they're concerned about. You can imagine Jesus is like, what? This is what you guys are arguing about? You know, if you, were, if you were here and you heard Scott's sermon, you know, probably one of the most convicting parts of it was talking about the effect that divorce has on children. You know, that a lot of times what's breaking up marriages is, is, is selfishness. And, and, and a lot of times, yeah, there is, as you mentioned, there's no such thing as a good marriage, but sometimes it is warranted, of course, and there is, of course, uh, you know, Scripture on that. But a lot of times it's selfishness, and it puts the focus on us while the implications of it and the breaking up of families, you know, and caring for others takes a big back seat. As a, as a child of a, came from a divorced family, I get it. That's my story. Said, what about the children? What about the children? Well, interesting, right after that passage, we're talking about children. Jesus is like, bring on the children. I want you, the experts, to be more like them. They're not seeking some moral loophole or nuances or trying to trick me. They earnestly want me in all humility. It's those in this posture, the meek, who will inherit the kingdom. Another thing we can all agree on, and Alyssa touched on this earlier today, uh, what's really encouraged in children? It's for them to have an imagination. Children have wild imaginations. And we just saw that here. You know, I mean, imagining a purple dinosaur that loves you. I love you. You love me. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, perfectly timed drop there. Wonderful. 
or living on a distant planet that's made entirely from ice cream. Or actually, uh, my uh, youngest daughter had her first soccer practice. They were all introducing each other the other day. And uh, half of them, when asked what their favorite animal was, was a rainbow unicorn. We saw that again here. In some translations, I think there is a unicorn in the Bible. I'm not sure which one. In a child's mind, anything is possible. Anything is possible. They earnestly believe their dreams can become a reality. Dreams so real. If you're new to City Church, we used to have a worship leader here. His name is Troy. Interesting guy. Remember Troy? He wrote some wild songs. One of them was actually called Beyond Our Wildest Imaginations, right? And then there was another one that the lyrics went like this. Bring forth the kingdom of peace. Taste and seek the kingdom of justice. Bring forth the dreams of God. I'm not sure if God actually dreams. There's probably a theological discussion about that. But, but we dream, don't we? We dream. Uh, and a dream is usually future-oriented, right? It's usually future-oriented. I love this quote from uh, Walter Bruggeman here. We'll uh, put it up on the screen. It says, The prophet engages in futuring fantasy. The prophet does not ask if the vision can be implemented, for questions of implementation are of no consequence until the vision can be imagined. The imagination must come before the implementation. Our culture is competent to implement almost anything and to imagine almost nothing. We do do a lot, especially as city people here in Atlanta. We're always busy. But do we dream? Do we dream enough? And I'm not talking like, you know, daydream stuff, like if I had a million dollars, I'd go and do this type of thing. I'm talking a kingdom vision dream. A kingdom vision dream, the kingdom of God, you know, as, as they were talking about earlier, a, a future place that can be actually brought and made manifest here in the present where all things are made right. That things are right with the world. It's, things are good, right, and true. And we see that in, in Scripture, what that's supposed to look like. And I, I had to encourage us that we would spend more time picturing what this looks like, what this shalom looks like in your home, in your marriage, in your school in your workplace, the grocery store. It's possible, friends. You know, how can we replace division with unity? How can we replace death with life? We're so obsessed with death in our culture. How can we replace chaos with peace and order? It's in our mission statement. David said it this morning. We want to join God as a family Adults and children, all really children of the Father, to bring renewal to this city, to Atlanta, to be peacemakers. You know, on my business trip uh, this week, and this frequently happens, I was out in California, and I sit on an airplane, and I don't really watch TV on planes. I I work on sermons, actually. That's what I do. (laughs) That's what I was doing this week. But I watch everybody else is watching on their TV. I kind of snoop on them. And 90% of it, someone is watching, like, someone's guts getting blown out, like, raped, murdered, and ki- I mean, it's just disturbing what people are watching on the airplane. This is not going to be in the kingdom. I mean, it's going to be more adventure time than Silence of the Lambs. And yes, the person in front of me was watching Silence of the Lambs on the plane. I'm like, 
I'm trying to like put my blinders on. Like, come on. It's not in the kingdom. Why are we so entertained by violence? We're entertained by it. That's, that's not going to be in the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Scripture, Matthew 6.33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and then all of these things, the renewal of all things, all of these things will be added to you. Willy Wonka said, We are the music makers and we are the dreamer of dreams. We are God's children and we should be the chief kingdom dreamers. The dreams of the kingdom and then actually bring that by the Spirit and the gospel to fruition. We have the ability, not even just the ability in the Spirit, but actually the right to do this work. You might ask, how do we get the right? Well, it's because we've been adopted. We have been adopted as God's children. We know this from Romans. It says in Romans eight fourteen this, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. You did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back in fear. No, you received a spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are indeed what? The children of God. I know some of you um, have adopted children or are in the process of adoption or considering it. I had a lunch with a, an old friend out in California this week in between meetings. She's familiar with our family. We're all friends up in New York City when we live there. And I started talking about my, my son's adoption, uh, Samuel's adoption, and her eyes just lit up. They just lit up. I could see something that resonated with her in that story, something that was good, right, and true, and there was a hopefulness to her. And for those who have pursued adoption or considering it, no, it's that hope and that love that really propels you through that process, which can be very difficult. And it is a process it's mostly actually a legal process, interestingly enough. And so was our adoption as sons and daughters of God, a legal process. Scripture says this in Romans 3.23, for, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, amen to that, and are justified by His grace, amen to that. Justified by His grace, justification, a legal term. We were justified not by our works, but by this gift, the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood, which means it has been satisfied, the debt has been satisfied, to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, thank God for that, He had passed over the former sins. Friends, we were far off. Orphans. Just this mortal coil, hunger pangs and toil and dust, unable to have a relationship with the Father God. And now we are forgiven, justified. Again, a legal term. Notice through the Westminster Confession of Faith, the Shorter Catechism, when asked what is justification, the answer is this. Justification is, a God, is an act of God's free grace where He pardons our sins, accomplishes or excuse me, accepts us as righteous in His sight only for the righteousness of Christ that's been given to us, received by faith. Jesus' work on the cross accomplished through this amazing legal task, this cosmic, eternal, unchangeable legal task 
of not just removing our sins, but removing the penalty of our sin, acquitting us of our sin, and giving us what uh, we de- not giving us what we deserve, but actually giving us grace and abundant life. The Father turned His face away from His Son so that He will never turn His face away for those that have faith in Christ Jesus. Amazing. That's the Gospel, friends. That's something to savor. We have been moved by due process. (laughs) From death to life, we've been given a new heart, a heart of flesh. You know this from the OT. Old Ezekiel said this, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from their heart of... I will remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, a living, beating, thankful heart like a child that bursts forth, bursts forth with joy, awe, wonder, gratitude. John MacArthur said this, a thankful heart is one of the primary identifying characteristics of a believer. It stands in stark contrast to pride, selfishness, and worry. What were those confused people challenging Jesus? <laughs> they, were, they were probably filled with pride, selfishness, and worry. It's this, this gift of grace, friends, that we receive in the gospel. We receive it in faith. It enables us to live a life of giddy, childlike gratitude, like a child on Christmas morning. We should recover that heart of a child. The prophet uh, Bono uh, once said this off their first record Into the heart of a child, I can stay a while but I can go there. Uh, Beautiful lyric. Let's go into the heart of a child and savor our our adoption of sons and daughters. Receive it with giddy praise, joy, and wonder. Everything I've just told you can be uh, summed up in a a song. Maybe it's a worship song. I don't know. Um, It's not uh, Laura Dangle or one of those people. It's actually the Bangles. It goes like this. Do you feel my heart beating? Do you understand? Do you feel the same? Am I only dreaming? Is this burning? And exactly. Thank you for finishing that. If this is your first time here at City Church, just know I only preach once in a while. (laughs) So it, yeah, so you're not going to, yeah. It's not like this all the time. Uh, eternal flame, eternal flame. It's a flame that doesn't go out. I think we have some of these still in the world. I, I think of the tomb of the unknown Schultz soldier down there in, in D.C. I was reading this week that <clears throat> they had these in the time of Jesus. They're quite popular in the time of the Roman Empire. And there were guards who were responsible for protecting the flame. And I think there is a Mel Brooks movie. Someone said, there's a movie, there's a funny thing about the eternal flame going out. And I was like, I, I never saw that, but I trust you. Keeping the fire going. And if it was your job and the fire went out, you were in big trouble. Big trouble. You were severely punished. And I I wonder if that's sort of what Paul had in mind when he wrote to his dear child Timothy in 2 Timothy here. We'll put it up on the screen. Wherever, and I'm going to read this in the old King James here, Jesus' favorite translation. 
Wherefore, I put in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The Greek word here for stir up means something like to, to stir up into flame, to fan in the flame, like kind of blowing on the hot coals and the fire comes to life. Interesting that, it's, that fire can be devastating as we unfortunately saw in Maui a couple of weeks ago. But fire can also be helpful and life-giving. Think of being in a cold, dark night. Fire gives you light. Fire gives you warmth. You can cook your food on a fire. It's refining. We know that in Acts, the Spirit uh, came to us as tongues of fire right after Jesus ascended. Tongues of fire... That was a long time ago, of course. So you might ask the question, well, how do we interact with the Spirit today? From Scripture we know there's kind of four ways that we can interact with the Spirit. We can blaspheme the Spirit, which is a huge no-no. That's the unforgivable sin. That's sort of like divorced from the Spirit. We can quench Him, sort of pour cold water on the fire, or we can grieve Him. Or we can do the fourth thing, which I encourage all of us to do. We can guard Him and stir them up into flame. We can guard the Spirit, the gift, and stir it up. There's an evangelist from like a, a hundred years ago, and yes, this is his name, uh, Smith Wigglesworth. Smith Wigglesworth, a fantastic, that's like an amazing name right there. Smith Wigglesworth. We must not be careful to, not to choose, but to, listen to this, but to let God's Holy Spirit manage our lives, not to smooth down and explain away, but to stir up the gift and allow God's Spirit to do what? Disturb us. To disturb us and disturb us until we yield and yield and yield and the possibility of God's mind becomes an established fact in our lives with rivers in evidence meeting the need of a dying world. You can borrow that quote and say, that comes from Mr. Wigglesworth. A good one. As Christians, let us not be fooled that we are dependent on our own looks, our money, our academic success, our wealth, our achievements, or even how good and great our theology is, or how nice we are. We are dependent on the Holy Spirit. We are dependent on the Spirit like a child is dependent on his or her parents. I mean, little do your children know how much you do for them, right? Little do they know what you orchestrate and what you do for their goodness and their well-being. Even the rules in your house are for their flourishing. If they only knew and if we only knew how good the Father is to us, that He sent us His Spirit to work in us and around us, His will for His glory, but for our flourishing. He invites us into that and gives us the power and to be a blessing for ourselves and our neighbors for renewal. Just ask us that we would stir up more of this gift. We'd guard it humble ourselves and stir up more of this fire in our lives. As the quote says that we read earlier, and I just kind of re rehash it, that the Spirit would disrupt us 
and that we could yield to the dreams of God. So much so that God's dreams would become our dreams and that we would look forward to the kingdom and the kingdom would be made manifest here on earth in the city of Atlanta. So let's become kingdom come kids. How do we do that again? Well, first we seek the kingdom and imagine the possibilities. We savor the gospel in all of its power, in all of its power. And we uh, depend on the Spirit. We guard it and we stir it up. Let us pray. Uh, Father God, Lord Jesus, thank you for your gospel. Thank you for your kingdom. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. As we look toward the kingdom and we, we imagine what that will be like someday, you give us the power and the word actually to make those things manifest here on this side of heaven to bring peace for their strife, Lord, to heal our hearts and be a blessing to one another. So, Father God, I pray that you give us that vision. Here is this church and that it's made manifest. It can happen at 1135 today, whatever we're doing. We pray these things in your name. Amen. One of the things that we have an opportunity to do is...